Nebraska on Tap, the source for everything educational and informational about groundwater in agriculture. If you are an ag producer or a citizen of Nebraska, this show is made for you by the Middle Republican Natural Resource District. Now it's time for our weekly show, hosted by Heather Disming. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's edition of Nebraska on Tap. This week we're going to get into some survey knowledge. So we have Mark Burback. He is a geoscientist or an environmental scientist at the School of Natural Resources where he's part of the survey division. He has written a lot of papers on different things that they've done surveys through. His latest paper from 2022 is called Longitudinal Assessment of an Integrated Approach to a Large-Scale Common Pool Water Resource Management a case study of Nebraska's Platte River Basin. And one reason why I wanted to bring Mark on to talk to us about this is because it involves IMPs. So IMPs are something that NRDs have to do based on where they're located at. This survey that he did on those combines data from a survey that they did in 2012 and then added that to data that they received in 2019. So with both of these surveys, they put together something that talks about LB962 talks to us about when a basin is fully appropriated when existing uses of both surface water and hydrologically connected groundwater supplies are equal to but do not exceed the available water supplies over the long term. So that was from DNR in 2005. So a basin is overappropriated when existing uses exceed the supply and surface water flows can be expected to decline and groundwater table elevations can be expected to drop until either there is no water to use or the cost of using the water is too great to result in a beneficial use. We talk a little bit about this survey that he did over that. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Mark. Okay. Well, thank you, Heather. It's a pleasure to join your podcast. Um, I am a environmental social scientist at the School of Natural Resources Conservation Survey Division at University of Nebraska Lincoln. I have a long, as you mentioned before, I have a long history in water-related uh, research in Nebraska. I was prior to getting my PhD in leadership studies, and now my current faculty position as an environmental social scientist. I was. Uh, doing things that you mentioned with uh, related to the groundwater monitoring network and things like that. So I've had a a long career uh, in water-related research in Nebraska. With regard to the study that you're referring to, and you mentioned Eleanor Ostrom. Eleanor Ostrom won the Nobel Prize in 2011 for her body of work related to managing the commons. Uh, so if you think of the commons being uh, uh, fisheries or forest, or in this particular study, we're talking about a, a watershed or a water resource, large body of, of common pool resource, in this case, water. And we focused on the fully and over-appropriated area of uh, Platte River. And Eleanor Ostrom and her body of work that she won this uh, Nobel Prize for identified eight principles that she called there are commonalities that successful uh, water resource managers had in common across the world. And then for this particular study that replicated a study from uh, back in 2012, um, we interviewed stakeholders in the uh, Platte River Valley. And by stakeholders, I mean primarily in the Platte Valley, these people who are irrigators, surface water and groundwater irrigators. 
And, I, and through those interviews, we identified seven additional criteria that stakeholders thought were critical to managing water in Nebraska. So for this study, we had the eight principles that Ostrom identified uh, important to managing the commons and also the seven stakeholder identified criteria. And you asked earlier, what is, from my perspective, a longitudinal study? Yeah. Uh, it simply means in this case is that we replicated the study uh, in 2019 that we did in the early 10s and see if anything has changed with regard to stakeholders' perspectives on these 15 criteria. So generally speaking, um, we found that stakeholders feel that groundwater management in Nebraska, is particularly the, well, I'm referring to the integrated management management process or IMP yep. process. Yeah. Back in 2004, LB 964 was passed and provided amendments to the Groundwater Management Protection Act requiring that fully or over-appropriated areas in Nebraska that the Department of Natural Resources and the natural local natural resource district create uh, integrated management plans to bring the stream flow back to, uh, I believe, 1997 levels, somewhere I may be off on that, but back to fully appropriated, maybe so if they're currently designated fully appropriated to what are they going to do to make, uh, not become over appropriated and then if they're over appropriate what are they going to do to come back to fully appropriated right and and, so, and and that deals with the hydrologically connected groundwater surface water talk right exactly exactly okay. and so that's where in this particular study we're referring to the Platte River which is considered connected hydrologically to groundwater uh, from the, throughout the Central Platte and the North Platte region of, of Nebraska. Okay. And so that's where we focused our study. And then the 2012 study um, was strictly stakeholder producers. And then in, in 2019, we uh, did producers again, but we also added non-farm households in uh, the Platte Valley and then also statewide non-farm households. And another reason why this is longitudinal is that what we were interested in is that the first uh, integrated management plans came out in 2009 in this area, and then there these management plans are 10 years long, and then they have to be reassessed and maybe tweaked, depending on uh, effectiveness, 10 years later. So the first plans were in 2009, and then the second round of integrated management plans in this region was in 2019. So we took a look at how did stakeholders feel this was working right after the 2009 plans and then again right after the 2019 plans. And and this mainly stemmed off of the Kansas lawsuit, right? The integrated management plans? Or certainly the things bill? like that were, and, is the, that and also Endangered Species Act in the okay. Platte River where maintaining uh, habitat for endangered species in the Platte was also a driving force behind uh, LB 962 and what came, became from that the integrated management plan process. And okay. as part of the... that, that Yeah, I mean, that, and that makes sense. The I mean, because animals need the water to live in. So if, if it's over-appropriated, then they don't have the water. Right. And some of the endangered birds need bare sandy ground to nest and so yep. things like that. So the Platte River Recovery and Implementation Program is in, in response to the endangered species lack of habitat in the 
Central Platte and the North Platte region. So mm-hmm. those all these number of different water issues kind of came to a head in 2004, and Nebraska was uh, being proactive in trying to get a, a head of water management and pass a somewhat progressive integrated management plan process that really isn't uh, – no other state really has something similar to this. No, or, uh-uh. or so. I just yeah, have, and then what? Sorry. Oh, I was just going to have to say, I mean, that's what I do love about this state is that since the beginning of managing water, people have really been at the forefront of this because no other state has NRD subdivisions like we do and really keeps a good pulse on water management in the state. And right, so, right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Another thing that was progressive in my humble opinion about uh, LB 962 and the amendments to the Groundwater Management Protection Act was that the statute required that the state and NRDs collaborate with stakeholders. That was someone, in, you know, that was a, that was a requirement. So they mm-hmm. must uh, invite or be open to stakeholder participating in the process. And that was, again, another reason why we we're intrigued on seeing how stakeholders felt that this is working. Right. And I, I must point out that our survey went to stakeholders, water uh, users, irrigators, and uh, surface and groundwater irrigators. But um, so that was important that the stakeholder be participated in. Uh, the survey wasn't targeted to those who had actually participated in the planning process. There's just, you know, there's, you know, thousands of these stakeholders that are in the participating, you know, at these integrated management planning process, yeah. just a small handful. So, mm-hmm. Anecdotally, I think that from the discussions I've had with people, the stakeholders that have participated, they may have viewed our survey even more positively than these stakeholders who haven't participated directly in the process. Mm-hmm. So when I say that our results generally show that the process is working pretty well, this is from those primarily who weren't actually at the table but are stakeholders and are perceiving or witnessing maybe from a little bit of a distance of how the process is working. Yeah, and I feel too that if you don't have direct involvement with the NRD, such as like an ag producer, you really don't know too much about the NRDs as somebody who just lives in the city. You mainly deal with more like municipal city water and, you know, that's pretty much it and a story. But deep down, a lot of that municipal water's coming from the groundwater, which is ran by the NRDs. Mm-hmm. And that's why we thought it'd be interesting to get the perspective of, of non-farm households in the study area to see if that would be different from those like irrigators who deal with this, uh, you know, on a daily basis and it's, mm-hmm. you know, directly tied to their livelihood. And I'm um, glad you had as many people participate as you did. Just for everybody out there, it's always important to participate, especially if you want your voice heard. And so tell me some of the things with the other four uh, people that you have listed on your or that are cited here on the paper with you. And how does this mm-hmm. how did this exchange of knowledge happen between you folks? Well, uh, one of the co-authors, Christina Babbitt, did the first study that, that we replicated, the one that was done in 2012. That was part of her dissertation. So mm-hmm. we were excited to have her help us with this next phase of that research and then 
uh, Wes Eaton, Barbara Quimby, and Jody Delosier were associated with me on some other research grants that I've had with uh, Penn State, Arizona State, looking at uh, factors that contribute to successful stakeholder engagement. So I felt it was important to that these people be part of our team. Like you said, when everybody's a stakeholder and we have wild habitat that needs to be protected and people need the water for drinking, watering their lawn, washing their clothes, and the farmers need it for making, you know, food, irrigating crops, um, watering cows if they're ranchers, and also watering crops if they're ranchers. And so this is a pretty big study you guys did to make sure, you know, that those integrated management plans in the areas are are being looked at by the stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the state in, in the Department of Natural Resources and the NRDs have invested a lot of resources and time and effort to make these integrated management plans successful. So mm-hmm. again, reason to, to look at what, it, what how do people perceive the process working. Yeah, because I see that you, um, like you had said, now you have written a bunch of articles and it would probably take me a whole year to get through all the knowledge that you have sorted through. Tell me about your experience when it comes to working on these uh, publications with everybody and how, you know, that affects you as a professor. Well, one thing I've learned in my years of working in water is that you never know uh, as much as you think you know. You know, there's, uh, it's always changing, ever changing. The, the, the resource, the the people involved, you know, it's a, it's an ongoing thing. You never, I, I, I wouldn't call myself an expert. I, I think because of, I'm always learning and every study that we do provides a little bit, another piece of the puzzle, but the puzzle's never complete. So, so that, that's why, again, it's critical to work with respected uh, co-researchers that can kind of provide uh, insight into the both your research question and how you go about answering that research question it's not a at all it's a, it takes a team for sure i see too that like sometimes you said a little bit and on on the taps side of the natural resources stuff as well yeah i've been involved recently in evaluating the effectiveness of taps and we've got some uh research that we've uh, trying to get in the process of getting published but generally Again, speaking, we found that uh, TAPS is having impact on those who compete and that they are generally uh, going back to their farms and implementing some of the technology and management practices that they've dealt with as part of the competition. And then, yeah, we have one here, uh, well, in the Platte River Basin there in North Platte that, that Chuck runs. And I've seen some of his information come out of there. And you know, he's talked a little bit about on, you know, the water use management from some farmers and how, you know, if they can better manage it, then, you know, it makes a big difference. And then also, what are some other other implications of like water management for irrigators and stuff like that that you have seen be successful? Well, again, like for, for TAPS, for example, I, I think we've demonstrated or we're, we've confirmed, you know, that what we, like you, I'm sure, and your listeners know that farmers tend to want to see it to believe it. You know, they want to touch it, uh, see it. You know, how does how is it going to work on my uh, operation before adopting? And and so we can go out and do uh, field trials and things like that. But when they're actually the benefit of the competition is they get to see how it 
you know, firsthand their decisions impact, uh, you know, yield and profitability and things like that. So that's, I think that's really critical and more likely increases likelihood that will actually be adopted on back on the home place is because, you know, they've actually seen how their decisions compare to their peers. And that is hugely impactful. You know, somebody may have used a lot of water and may have even gotten the same amount of bushels as the person who used less water. So that's pretty fascinating to see. You run the real-time groundwater monitoring network as well. You started this, right? Yeah, I've been involved with that for a long time. Aaron Young uh, here at the Conservation Survey Division is the day-to-day operator and does an excellent job of that mon- taking care of that program and working with the NRDs and the other agencies that collect water levels across Nebraska. And that's a really valuable program to be able to uh, have that long history of water levels and you know what's how are things changing is is climate change having impact is management decisions these programs the uh, integrated management planning all these the things that nrds are doing are how you know is how are the how is that affecting water levels and our resource and we're blessed with a lot of uh, groundwater in nebraska in some places not everywhere but <laughs> right. generally speaking and nrds you know in the state uh and in and, oper- and farmers obviously as well want to maintain that and you need to have data to know where, where do you stand with your management decisions. Right, which brings us all the way back to your paper about the uh, IMPs. And, and uh, just one more thing for the people that are listening. So you ask questions on 15 different survey items mm-hmm. and the sufficient data and information that exists for state and local agencies to manage your manage water resources successfully Um, as we get into that so like your groundwater monitoring thing the taps thing you guys have really set up nebraska to be super educated when it comes to these things we just probably need to use these tools a little bit more wouldn't you say oh absolutely yeah i I think that's critical and having data and when I and being a social scientist i like to have data for like from surveys and interviews and things like that Mm -hmm. that then can pair up with, like, say, water level data or, you know, the resource data, uh, things like that, uh, flow volumes and water levels and that. I think they, all of that provides a fuller picture of how well are we doing with managing our, our water resources. And we've recently were in the process or just completed a survey identical to this in the Colorado Basin to see, you know, how, based on these 15 criteria, what are uh, stakeholders perceive there? And I can tell you just on our preliminary data, you know, Nebraska's stakeholders are perceiving things a little bit better than you might, as you might want public discourse and what you read in the media and the mm-hmm. challenges in the Colorado. We're in a little bit, much better shape and the data with regard to the survey and attitudes of the stakeholders uh, is in a better situation in Nebraska than we're seeing in the Colorado Basin. Yeah, and I think um, with having the Ogallala Aquifer underneath us, we get we get taught about it from a very young age, and it's such a cool thing to think about. When I remember being in elementary school and thinking it's something that somebody could scuba dive in, but later on as an adult, I found out that's not the case. <laughs> you know, we've had Jared from uh, Aquageo Frameworks, and um, you know, we talked a little bit about the 
the different geological under structure underneath us and everything like that and how the water moves and um, mm -hmm. I just think it's really fascinating, you know, what Nebraska has out here. And so I'm glad to see that those participations from Nebraska were a little bit more positive than the Colorado. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like say in our survey, there, there were, I think in the 15 criteria, 13 of the 15 or 12 of the 15, they were the uh, respondents from producers anyway, for the producer stakeholders were that things were favorable or neutral and just three of the 15 criteria did they feel like there need some room for improvement so i think you know that positive and i think as i mentioned before if we were actually talking to those who've actually participated in the imp process i think we'd see you know even better uh, high, a better perspective uh, that, of the effectiveness of the imp process um, i'm glad that many people participated in the survey and i hope that next time you guys uh, push it out that people understand what it's for um, and that they need to re respond back to make sure that you guys get the best data possible for all of that because with without them participating you you know you lose one more set of data yeah i understand you know that we all are inundated with surveys and you know i i am too and i know particularly producers are they're getting surveyed uh, quite a bit and there's survey fatigue you know that is like not another one but uh, <laughs> you know it's 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 from my perspective I'm, I'm biased but from a researcher who wants to get a clear picture of the situation we need people to participate in those surveys and uh, allow us to interview them when we need them to give us some insight on what they think yeah because ultimately it's super important for the state of nebraska to have its own university you know conducting the best surveys out there and to get the best picture and perspective on it yeah and in your case with the nrds you know that's local control mm -hmm. we need we need to provide be able to provide natural resource districts boards with the information to make informed decisions you know and so information like this surveys and and things like that provide the data to assist with their water level monitoring programs and the other, all the other monitoring and data collection that they do. Can learn who does the surveys about the over appropriated areas and the fully appropriated areas and what those mean, their participation in the surveys and um, how we all can reach a little bit better of an equilibrium when it comes to surface and groundwater and helping everybody out drinking water and also helping the animals out too. So I think it's great. Yeah, we all we all understand that we need to sustain this valuable resource. There's, you know, we're all in agreement on that. Now, maybe a little different on how we go about it, but right. generally speaking, you know, everyone understands that we need to maintain this precious resource. Yeah, and Mark, anything else you want to add um, before we head off today? Uh, I can't think of anything. It's been a pleasure uh, yeah. visiting with you tonight. All right. Thank you again, Mark. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there at the end. I must have just been a little too trigger happy with my space bar and ended our conversation a little too early. But again, as you can see, these surveys that Mark does are very, very, very beneficial to some of the information that we need. And then also just statewide to make sure everybody understands what the NRDs do, how the groundwater works, and how we can be more conscientious when it comes to conserving water and making sure that the streams and the groundwater um, are both flowing freely 
and something that we can keep using for years and years and years to come. And as Jerda Gary Vickers had said, thousands of years to come. So thank you again. If you haven't subscribed, please do at this time. And you can always go to www.nebraskaontap.com. You can visit our YouTube page, our Spotify page, Apple podcast page, or our RSS feed. Again, have a great week, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Hey.